So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. This is episode number 39. My name is Mike Fisher. My uh, co-host over there on the road, Maricela Arichiga. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm having to improvise. Anyone who's in the industry knows sometimes you got to get in your truck and get somewhere by a certain hour. And I'm not good with not keeping my word. So I just made sure that uh, <laughs> I did the podcast from the road. She's got a driver, folks. She's got a driver. We're being safe. Everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and our guest today, Jeff Forrest, president at WPC out in Florida. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm awesome, man. Yes. Enjoying the Florida weather still. As we enter November and uh, and we still get this wonderful weather, we just call this timeshare weather because all the timeshare salesmen would yeah would say yeah. it's just like this every day. It's just like, <laughs> tell me what until, part of Florida you're in until July when it's humid. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Amirsel, I'm I'm in uh, uh, well, kind of Orlando, Florida proper, so almost dead center in the state. Okay, would you say that Florida has better weather or? Los Angeles or Southern California has better weather. Wow. So that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, being that I'm from Southern California, ha having been born in Westminster, uh, right outside of Disneyland, okay. I'm going to go with Southern California weather because I'm still a huge fan of being in that part of the world. And we just had a massive hurricane go through the center of Florida here. Yeah, so that's, that's I'll, go with, I'll go with, yeah. uh, I'll go with South, uh, Southern California weather all day long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's raining in Southern California today. So I was going to say, remember you see how dark about... it is in my house right now? I'm trying. That to doesn't turn happen on. very often. It's... It doesn't happen very <laughs> often, and everyone's lost their mind this morning. You should see what traffic. We just don't know what to do with weather around that's, here if it's not sun. Uh, that's funny. Well, uh, Jeff, tell us what you do. Tell us who you are. What do you do? I I, I hear that you started off in Southern California. You're in Florida now. So let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you how we got to where we're here. So my dad was a superintendent at Disneyland. And, um, and, and so he worked for a company called Buena Vista Construction, which was the construction company for Disney. Um, yeah. And in 1967 was transferred from Orange County, California to Orange County, Florida. And so I was four at the time. And my dad was a superintendent both on Main Street at Disney World and in Frontierland at Disney World. So that's kind of how we got from Southern California. So we're Disneyland brats and Disney World brats. Um, <laughs> you know, it's in the DNA. Have you, can, have you counted how many times? Can, can you count how many times you've visited one of the parks? Like, is that even achievable? I mean, I'm just imagining that you've been there countless times. Like, do you? Yeah. So, so my California friends are going to, if they see this, they're going to give me a lot of trouble because I have absolutely never once been to Disneyland. Now, oh. I, yeah. So, so, and by the way, I have Wait, friends that go when your dad worked all there? the time. I have friends that go all the time. I've yeah. never once been to Disneyland. So, um, Wait, wow. so it was not even as a child when your dad worked there. Did he say, if I hey, did, it was hey, that pre memory. Go. It was that pre memory yeah. thing. And, you know, I was four years old when I moved here. So I have very few recollections it's of much. So of ironic because we literally yesterday, Maricel and I were talking and because uh, that's what we do we just chat we hang out and she she was talking about how much she loves disneyland and can't wait to go back <laughs> no listen the the true uh, thanks for outing me mike thanks for outing me uh, uh if you know from disney fuck i'll take it that's great i'm happy <laughs> but the to answer your question to answer your question Marisela, disney world so i had a really interesting i had a really interesting experience and, I, and i'll get to how i got into this business, by the way, my okay. dad, my dad and my brother and all that other stuff in a second. So, so uh, Disney World, Disneyland and Disney World, we come here, my dad's a superintendent and uh, I'll, I'll sneak a little bit into the middle of the conversation here. When I was 18 years old, my dad, first of all, didn't want me to be in the construction business, already been doing it for three years, working and getting paid weekends and summers while I was going to school. And so, but my dad goes, I don't want you to be in the construction business. You know, he was a, a blue collar right. worker nail banger, as was my brother early in his career. 
And, and mm -hmm. so he goes, you got to go to work at Disney. You got to learn what it's like to be in customer service. I want you to be a, a computer programmer. Anyways, all this other kind of fun stuff. So he made me get a job at Disney World, which I did what they call a swing shift. So I had this 6 p.m. to midnight shift. I would work during the day. And then I would go work at night at, at Disney for this little two and a half month stint. And um, so I actually got to be, you know, I got to drink the Kool-Aid and understand what the service. And more importantly, I worked in security and I got to see all the back of the house stuff. So mm -hmm. none of that has to do with construction, by the way, but it is a part of my career that I, my two and a, the only other, the only other place I ever worked in my entire life, other than this company was two and a half months at, at Disney. And I did it at the same time I was working here. So. Whoa, that's impressive. So the only other job that you've had outside of the career that you've built is at Disney. Correct. Disney and so, wow. and so I, I like to say that I started to get paid by my brother. My brother started the company, WPC, uh, known as Winter Park Construction uh, in the early stages of, of the, the company and then ultimately became WPC in about 1981. So I went to work for my brother in 1979. Um, where he actually started paying me. Prior to that, I would go to the job sites and he wouldn't pay me. But uh, so I, I came out, I, I finished. Because your brother's smart, it sounds like. Your brother's my, smart. My brother, my brother was a type A entrepreneur. And there's a little bit more to the story about that. Anyhow, I assume he's older said, though. I assume he's older. My brother's 13 years older than I was. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So he'd been so, around the block a little bit. Uh, yeah, he'd been around. He failed a couple of times. This was his fourth company, at, by the way, at a very young age that he started that actually was successful and um and the company's 48 years old now so um but i went to work at 15 worked worked at high school while i over the summers um I, at high school was not my favorite thing to do and it wasn't that no. it's that i'm dyslexic and so with a, anybody that has dyslexia understands that reading and all the other stuff depending on how far you are on the spectrum is not our favorite thing and right. so i could not wait to get out of high school <laughs> and i was in 1979 i was 15 years old making five dollars an hour and, um, you know, that's, that's big money back in those days. Neither yeah. one of you know, oh, what, yeah. that, know yeah. what that is, but, oh, yeah. uh, but it was, oh, fun. I so do. That, I, listen, minimum wage back in my day, Jeff was four twenty-five. There you go. Four, I remember go. those days. So it was three twenty-five, I, I think when I was back there. So I was making, I was making big money. <laughs> so wait, so Jeff, tell us what you guys do. What does WPC do? Fair enough. The, 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 the company is best known as a multi-unit builder. Which means we got into the uh, in Central Florida building uh, hospitality. The timeshare, as I mentioned earlier, was kind of by our initial um, entry into building multiple units at a time. And in the in this in the case of our our beginnings, um, we went to work for Holiday Inn Club Vacations, which was founded by Kemens Wilson, who founded Holiday Inns. And so he hired my brother um, and myself and the rest of our team to work on his project. And what that did was it progressed to uh, senior living, uh, multifamily, a lot of multifamily these days. It's as much as the same in yeah, California. Out here, yeah. And then senior housing. And so anything that's got more than one unit to it, that, by the way, is not a primary resident for sale product, which means a condominium mm -hmm. or uh, yeah. that kind of thing. So we, we, we do mul a much multi multifamily work, a lot of hotels. Uh, senior housing, which is memory care, assisted living, et cetera, and, uh, and student housing. So, but Central Florida is the, is the timeshare capital of the world. And yeah, so we were really blessed to be in that hospitality market for so long. Um, how much, how much did the company start there? And how, I mean, it, it sounds like that's where, obviously that's where you guys are at. Is that where your brother, is that where he was targeting all along? Is that was intention? I'm going to build a you said he had four other attempts. Um, did he know that this was the market he wanted to serve? So I think that that um, the way that my uh, my brother thought as an entrepreneur was, you know, you look for a business where there where you can gain traction and that your skill set fits. And so my brother did a lot of interesting things when he was a young man. Um, and including, by the way, hitchhiking from California to Florida at 17 years old, it took, oh him, it took him 12 months to do that. We could have a whole podcast on my brother, by the way, um, he's such an interesting dude. And, and, and I keep saying, I keep saying it past since he passed away two years. So, oh, sorry, man. so that the, wow. the, the interesting part about the, the, my brother was just that he just never gave up. And so he was an engineer, had an engineer's brain and, uh, you know, finally ended, uh, is doing framing. 
And so we were framing carpenters and we got into that business and eventually were hired uh, to do the framing at, at this particular resort that we started with. And then the, and then the general contractor that hired us said he wanted to go back to Sarasota. He let, he introduced us as the general contractor. And that was in 1981. I had just graduated high school in 1981 and I was out on the job site, pounding nails and running jobs. So it was fun. That's wild. Wow. What was your wow. journey like from, from pounding nails out of high school to, to the presidency and, 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 and that time span and, and all the jobs in between and, and what, what did you do from a, from a role standpoint, how much have you done there? And answer that in 60 seconds, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, like, that's a lifetime. So this that's is my 43rd you... year of doing this stuff. And so in 60 how seconds, what? I will tell you that I was a laborer. I was a carpenter's helper. I was a carpenter. I was in a superintendent. I became an assistant project manager, project manager. And because I never shut my mouth, um, my brother said, I'm going to, you're going to be our salesman and our marketing. And then, so I focused on branding and marketing of the company and worked my way. I, you know, I had the right last name. Um, I didn't have it. Mm -hmm. That's how I got the job. It's not how I kept it. But my brother always kind of fit me into these categories of what was best suited for the company. And in 2007, I bought a majority of the company along with a few other partners from my brother. So he became my minority partner. I get to, I got to be his boss. Was that, was that, a, wow. was that a, a willing sale? Or it was, was yeah. A, actually, okay. he'd been actually okay. working on that for about five years after once, so he, once he told me. Succession plan then. That was his succession plan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So cool. He had other businesses that he wanted to start, so we wanted to get out of the day to day of running a construction company. Yeah, and um, and beyond two thousand seven, um, did ha ha until the day he died, he was still starting other businesses. So it's uh, it was, it's such a great Love story. That. Such a great story. Yeah. So Jeff. You have nearly probably done all the, worn all the hats of a construction business, right? Like from the laborer all the way up to, to sales, marketing, PMing, all of it. Um, I know how much that probably, I can imagine how much that really benefited you and it benefits you to the date in terms of your leadership and looking down, but Tell me in what ways, tell us in what ways you think that that hurt you having had all the roles. Do you think that there was some Any parts there that or, really pre yeah. Yeah, prevented you from pulling certain levels or taking certain risks? That's a really interesting question. And so I never thought of it. Uh, you know, I always thought at every, every step that I was uh, blessed to be able to do, um, was a benefit to the ability to manage not only a business, right? Because that's the business, there's a, the business of contracting. And then there's the general contracting piece, which is the building of things. And mm -hmm. so the, the idea that, that, and that's why I believe this business is so important that the field-based experiences that you have are so critical to, to being able to really be successful as a general contractor, not only do you have to do it because you have to know what you're doing, but the reality is being out there and understanding the, the fact, and by the way, in Florida, waking up at five 30 in the morning, which I still do not understanding that you're going to be going out and working in humidity that can be 98% in the middle of the summer. And people do this day in and day out. The idea that I'm empathetic to all of those kind of roles, yeah. I think really had added that value. If there was a deterrent to any of it, um, it, you know, I'm a, I'm a look forward person. I never really looked at, never really looked back at any of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that when I might pop one out before the, before the podcast's over. I'll, I'll share, I'll share one that I experience having done, you know, I, you know, I'm not a hammer to nail person in my business, but I've done a lot in terms of the business end of it. Um, I've carried a lot of the roles, right? I think for me, it's, it's at least in crossing that bridge from doing the work yourself to being in a leadership CEO, COO, whatever it is, it's, it's a really big shift going from tactical to strategical to like visionary, right? Like it, you, you stay stuck in the tactical when, you, when you're really at the bottom level of, of your company, right? Doing all the things, putting a hammer to a nail, that's a really big leap when you go from tactical to visionary. And, and a lot of times I saw, I found myself stuck with like 
just just thinking about what are the things I have to do? Because that's what you do at that at that labor level, right? Like, what do I have to do today? How do I get it done? Check, check, check. But that's not what creates the vision for right. the business. I'll say that that's one of Moving my from struggles. a day-to-day mindset to the to the long-term mindset or, or what, are, what is the phrase uh, working on the business rather than in the business? Getting in out of that business. mindset. Yeah. Right on. yeah. And by the way, we use that conversation around here all the time. I will say that, let me tell you what I think the detriment was that, and this is self-awareness, right? So I, I work in a family company. At one time, not only did my dad work here, my brother and myself, my niece was in this, and my son now is getting ready to be the managing partner of this company. I love that. The That's detriment that I, cool. that what I didn't recognize early enough is that I will always be the little brother. And so, you know, the, when, when you have a founder that's got that strong personality and I was, I mean, 13 years younger, I was always smarter than my brother. At least I thought I was. And, and <laughs> the moment that I accepted this relationship piece where uh, he was always going to be there as my guide. The moment I accepted that, it was like, holy crap, now I get to do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I will tell you that uh, up to the point where he passed away, I always had my safety net. I always mm-hmm. was there. He was always there. He was always my sounding board, even when he didn't show up at the office on a regular basis because he was off doing his other things. But the mm-hmm. moment he died, it was like, oh, crap. I have no more safety net. I am that idea of, of taking <laughs> risk, yeah. the yeah. idea of you're it. Right. And so even yeah, you're though, swimming with that floaties, you're swimming yeah. with that floaties. Right. But, but, but remembering that that was my perspective and not everybody else in the company. So I have, I have at one time, we had 165 people working here prior to the downturn in 2010, but everybody else looked at me as the leader of this company, as the natural leader of this company, because mm-hmm. I grew up, I always looked at myself as the little brother. And so the, the thing about a family company to, to kind of get to the, to the point here is that there is, you'll always be the family and you always have to respect that relationship. And when you accept it and not, not have the tension associated with it, that brothers have, um, it became such a better place, not only for me to work, but I think for my brother to work and live in and survive until, until he did. So it was really interesting to, to do that. Well, how did you way, do that? How did you do that? Because it's, I mean, that's very, um, that's idealistic. But you probably had to hit some bumps in the road to like understand what those boundaries are, what those rules of engagement were, right? And I'm asking that because that's an important piece. There's a lot of construction businesses that are family owned and operated. I am in one myself. And so it took a lot of fighting <laughs> to figure figure out what those rules of engagement were for us. What do they look like for you? Well, it, it, what it prior to me kind of having this acceptance it was, I would, it's almost like no matter what my brother would recommend, I was going to push against it. So that, because it was, it was just <laughs> the thing to do, right? Uh, after the point at which I, and, and, it, and by the way, it was an epiphany um, because when my son started working here, uh, now nine and a half years ago for his second time, a whole nother story about my, about my son. He was, by the way, started to work at 15 years old, went to college dropped out of college, played professional poker for five years, decided to come back and gamble in the construction business. And so, but but, but when he, (laughs) yeah, great stories, by the way. I love it. But but when when my brother came back here, I'm sorry, when my son came back to go to work and decided this was the career he wanted to do, um, I started to recognize that I now had to treat him the way that I wanted my brother to treat me all those years, right? Oh, you yeah. learned. And so that was the point at which it was like, you know what? I have to not, otherwise I would have had that same tension. Um, my son's far smarter than I am. And I mean that literally, uh, he is a, he's a much, his high Q is much higher than mine. But what that meant was, is I had to have a higher emotional kind of IQ associated with the relationship because he was the natural leader in this company. Everybody started to recognize that. And so I had to treat my brother differently so that I wouldn't repeat some of the, some of what I would consider my faults associated with a relationship with my brother. Yeah. You, I, I, what I'm hearing you say, Jeff, is that the relationship between brothers had to be left out of the business and you guys had to be business partners. You guys had peers, like you don't treat, I, I say this to, to Mario, my husband, who I'm in business with, like, would you talk to a partner this way, a peer this way? And I, I'm the same way. 
The answer is yes. No. <laughs> uh, well, we, we got a second co-host over there. Is that your driver? We got another co-host. Co co <laughs> <laughs> you leave yourself out of this, mister. You leave yourself out of this. Maricela, um, you're exactly but, right. You're exactly right because what we decided to do and what we were able to do, and by the way, this was only at the end of this kind of experience, having worked together for 41 years, what we decided to do is we were going to be brothers when we needed, when we, we, we were away from the mm -hmm. business and we were going to be mm -hmm. partners when we were in the business. And not only that, he said, you know what, this isn't my company anymore. This is yours. Now I may not have observed that until he passed away, but the reality mm -hmm. was for him, it was like, I made this decision because I felt you could do your job. Now go, just go do your job. And, um, yeah. and it, you know what, uh, I look at every experience I've had as kind of the, the right path that I was supposed to take. Uh, and by yeah. the way, that includes the fact that I lost my brother. So it all works together. Now I got a wonderful son that's uh, right behind me uh, in the office right next door. Uh, and um, so this is going to be three generations of four, four, because yeah. your dad, while he didn't have his own business, right? He worked for Correct. the Disney Corporation. This is four generations of forest men in construction. Yeah. Well, actually more than that, because my grandfather, Felix, uh, was a carpenter as well. So there, th th there is uh, this kind of DNA component associated yeah. with the fact that we were not yeah. smart enough to do anything else or in the construction business. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I'd argue that just because, <laughs> I mean, look at uh, you're obviously pretty successful, right? I mean, you, you gotta have some level of intelligence to be able to get where you are and, and last as long as you guys have. Yeah, For no, sure. it's a, it, it's certainly a facetious comment in the sense that I do enjoy, I, by the way, more now at my position than I am here in the company than I really ever have, because everything up to leading to this point was more of kind of an experience that I was having to get me to hear. Right. And so for me, the next part of my career is watching my son change the way this company will look for the next 50 years as we celebrate year number 49 in January. So. so talk about that a little bit. You mentioned that you're, you're, you're happy and you're settled and, and this is, this is an ideal spot for you, but what, what does your day to day look like? What is, yeah, what is your role? Tell us about your outfit. Yeah. Tell us about the outfit. By the way, if you saw the rest of me, this, this is the extent of the, the attire that we work on a regular basis. It's our golf shirts, um, my white tennis shoes and jeans. And, um, you know, the, the, the culture here. Uh, to avoid answering your question right away is one of, of we really do kind of enjoy the idea that we are a young company in 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 mm -hmm. attitude and so you know i'd say 60 percent of the people that work at this company are 35 and younger um smart. Uh, which is can you tell i mean awesome. whole... it is yeah i mean my son is 34 years Was old intentional? he's getting uh, it was intentional beginning, uh, seven years ago, because seven years ago, this company had a medium age of 55 and higher. And so we, um, uh, through a lot of, uh, of help from, uh, other general contractors that, uh, that were in a peer group, um, but they, they go, listen, man, you know, th this company in order to survive is going to require, uh, an injection of youth. And so, um, we intentionally began looking at younger and brighter, both internally and externally individuals that would be able to take this company forward. Um, I have project managers running $50 million worth of work that are 28 years old. And by the way, they're doing an amazing job doing it. Right. And so my, my older self would have thought, nah, they're not experienced enough. I got, I need somebody that's got a little bit more, uh, kind of seasoning to them. Um, so really interesting change, but, um, that's a super interesting change. Cause that's, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's really, really impressive. You have a 28 year old that's managing $50 million worth of projects for your business and is doing a good job. So and what it, kind and, of, what kind of things had to change or what kind of things did change internally when you guys got younger i have to imagine they didn't come into a to a business you know run and operated by what did you say meeting age of 55 and you yeah. get all these young people and i can't imagine they just walked in and went okay yeah we'll do business the same way right i have to imagine yeah. there was some pushback there was some 
some visionary, some, some other things, some ideas that came from that injection of youth. And what did that look mm-hmm. like? Have you, have you, you know, adopted some of those things or what, what, what changed, you know, getting younger? Yeah. So I think that the biggest challenge you have with a company that's uh, as, as tenured as we are, um, is that you do have a lot of people in the company that have been here a very long time. And that although their passion is still there, their energy levels and their day-to-day kind of uh, uh, ability to 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 deal in this environment that's a pretty difficult environment, probably more difficult yep. today than it may have yep. ever been, um, it's challenging. So part of bringing youth into the company is making sure that you don't carry um, people that have been around maybe just a hair too long. And um, most of them, by the way, it's just a matter of kind of recognizing it already. So this wasn't a, we were very empathetic about how we were going to manage this kind of long-term transition. So seven years later, right, from its initial kind of thought process, mm-hmm. we were very conscious of how we were going to manage. And so, um, and, and it, of course, it had its challenges. But I think that to answer your question, Mike, the, the, the way that, the most important thing for a leader or somebody that's been around a while, and again, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I just turned 59 years old, which really isn't that, that old, um, but it's my lens was the lens that I kind of been, have been looking through, you know, through, the, th- through, the, through my career. What I had to be, what, in order for me to, to really change, I had to make sure that I was conscious of what my son's lens was, or mm-hmm. my, my younger team was. And so I literally would look and my, my son and I, by the way, literally best friends. I mean, we, we, it's a very, very unique experience that I, that Thank I, Jeff, that you're I living have. the dream, you, you know, are I, living t- the dream today. I'd say the answer to that question is absolutely yes. But so you have to be open to looking at different ways of leading different ways of understanding how the youth, um, I don't get into this generational thing where we start categorizing millennials, et cetera. I just don't do that. Mm. Um, my son would fit that category and he would not, he would be in it, in it generationally, but certainly not stereotypically. So mm-hmm. it really is about kind of getting out of the way, listening, really understanding, um, how people want to manage their day-to-day lives and then blending that into a business that's you know been around forever has a great deal of history um but it, it's it's i'm still learning how to do it by the way it's still learning what was the biggest what was the biggest thing you guys had to change be, be it an operation or a system or a mindset or a culture what was the biggest thing you guys had to change to that through that transition process so i think the the the, the, the most impactful change maybe the most impactful the change was giving the younger people a seat at the table and then okay actually listening to them, right? It's not just about sitting there and let them talk. It's going, okay, you know, that's an interesting idea. Let's think about it. And so the, the, the giving them a seat at the table, I, I, had I done it five or 10 years sooner, would have been really a wonderful experience to have. But here's, here's my definition of what, what I consider most people around here to have is a great deal of knowledge. And then there, mm-hmm. the, the, us, us older guys and girls have the wisdom. And so Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit and wisdom is knowing that it doesn't go into a fruit cell. So all I have to do is. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my do, God. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, that got me. That got me. That was a good one. So, that took but, me a but, second but, to register that, but that's money. <laughs> I'm absolutely taking that from you, Jeff. A hundred percent. Listen, it's not mine. I took that a long time ago, but what's interesting about the way, if you really kind of think about it, right. There are a lot of really smart people here that have levels, different levels of experience over time. And so our job, my job is not to give direction. It's to set direction. So the, the change, the change, Mike, is about really how you kind of look at your responsibilities as a leader and then recognizing that you have to keep learning all the time. Um, Keep working and out. so, yeah, there, there are two books, both by the same author that, that literally changed the way that I walked in the door every day. 
uh, 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 one is a book called Start With Why, and it's by Simon mm-hmm. Sinek. And if you haven't seen it or heard it or listened to it, I have to listen because my reading takes me like four times as long. So, and, and that book was a wonderful way of identifying why we are in this business and why we show up every day. And by the way, yes. it's not about money. It's money yes. is the result of what we do. So why are we doing it? That's number That's one. Right. And the number two is leaders eat last. And I will tell mm-hmm. you that book, which I just read uh, a summer ago, um, maybe not even that long ago, changed the way I look at everybody in this company and how I look at my day-to-day operations. So, so Jeff, that, tell, that, us, tell us about, give me, give me a picture, paint me a picture of what the operations look like. I mean, how many, you said that before the great recession, you were over 150 employees, I heard you say. Yeah, we had 165 in 2009 and we had 65 uh-huh. in 2010. Wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. reflective of a lot of, of, of a lot of businesses yeah. and what we had to do, right? Um, yeah. Where, yeah. where are you guys now? How many projects are you running at one time, like in terms of employees? And, and are you mainly, do you sub out all of your work? Do you have in-house labor? Like what, what does your outfit look like? Give us some texture to that. Sure. There's 85 people in this company, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, the, uh, of that, um, 30 of them are, are basically office-based people, whether that be mm-hmm. administrators, estimators, accountants, et cetera. Um, and then the balance of that group, um, a few of them kind of hybrid in and out of the office, but mostly based on jobs. We have 10 ground up projects and that's what we're capability is. So based on our project manager group, which is it, which is seven, uh, ground up project managers, those seven ground up project managers are able to manage 10 ground up jobs. Now I say ground up because I have a renovations division that has 23 projects going on right now all over the country and that's a different kind of style um but our but our ground up our ground up crew has 10 projects all within the state of florida um from jacksonville uh down to like venice florida there's kind of a line we draw that we don't go too much farther itself yeah i was just going to say what's what's the square radius that you're covering because that's i mean to stay in one how how much are you having to travel and go out to keep that and maintain that kind of business. Yeah. So we have a, we kind of have a rule here that states that we're not going to get a project that's a ground up project, by the way, that's more than about three hours away. Um, mm-hmm. The way that we're structured is we have uh, three project executives. They're responsible for seven pro- uh, uh, project managers. Uh, well, that's more because of, of the renovations group. And that then there's multiple superintendents and super superintendents. So, if it's three hours away, when you wake up in the morning, you're not thinking, oh man, I got to drive to, in our case, like to Tallahassee, which is four and a half hours. You're going to spend the night overnight or you're going to drive back four and a half hours. So we really kind of put this little radius of about how do we, how do we're going to r- draw a circle. Of course, you know, you only go left and right so far uh, mm-hmm. out of the center of the state. And, um, and the reason why we do that is because we want to be able to execute at the level that we're expected to execute at, right. which requires right. a great deal of oversight. You know, I have, pro- I have a, a singular projects that are $65 million. I've got to make sure that we can get to those jobs, by the way, not to see if they're doing it tactically or technically to see if they're living up to the WPC brand. And that's how, yeah. that's our strategic advantage is how do we, how do we provide a level of experience that's that much better? than our competitors, not substantially better. What is, better. what is the WPC brand? And I, I love that you went there because people don't buy, um, I forget the phrase, they don't buy what you do, they, they buy why you do it and how you do it, right? Like you get to that level of professionalism of like, this is, the, we don't do it like the way the industry standard is. We do it our way and the way we do it brings so much success and so much, you know, happy customers that we continue to grow. What is, what is that thing that you do that is different? What is that WPC brand way of doing it? Yeah. And I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, when you look at building things, the sticks and bricks are typically the same. And by the way, there's wonderful general contractors here that we um, compete against when we do and associate with. And so what, 
oddly enough, if you go back to my, my conversation where I spent two and a half months at Disney and you think about uh, customer service, um, the, 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 the difference that we try to make on a day-to-day level with everybody that we touch is the interaction that we have with them. And so that thing that happens at Disney, by the way, um, that happens on our projects that we try to engage our entire staff in is every time you're making a connection with somebody, no matter what it is, it's an opportunity to provide an experience that maybe they're not used to. And our industry is very stereotypical. You know, how we we look at how much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? Blah, blah, blah. Um, We build things just like everybody else, but the way that they feel about how we build them is, is the difference that we try to make. And so it's cliche and it sounds like it is what it is, but the reality is if you practice it all the time, it is. So I go to my job sites. When I do go to that job sites, I go on, I look at how does my sign look? What is, are there weeds around it? What does my trailer look like? What is the arrival experience going to be for not only the client that I'm building for, but anybody that drives by that site. Um, and, and so those little things, those little touches, and I can tell you this without one hesitation, I never go to my job site to find out how well they're building anything. I never do that. I go to, how does it look? How do the, how does my staff feel? Are they providing the experience for anybody that walks mm-hmm. on that job site? And, and that's it. That's what we work on. I love that. That's, that's almost the Disney mentality. It's almost why it's as an adult, I can appreciate and I enjoy Disney like somebody else, but, um, (laughs) it's, 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 it's not so much the rides or anything else. Right. It's the fact that like, yeah, they are all about your experience. A hundred percent of the reason why that they're there is your experience. And from waiting in lines to, you know, moving around the park to, just the way it looks, like you said, like from the trash or the weeds or the signs, or like it, it's it's an experience unlike anywhere else, especially in that amusement park space. So, I I don't know if you intentionally brought that, or uh, you know from from that Disney background that you and your dad had, but um, that is really unique like it's, and it's that is so over, special for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, you think about what is the experience? What is the experience? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? And it's unique, Jeff, because it's freaking construction and it's dirty and it's messy. And it, it, it's not it's not anywhere, at least the process, it's not anywhere as pretty as the Disneyland image. Right. right. But what is your customer? What is your client experience? What is your. Well, I love that you have the mentality. Experience? Yeah, and I love that you have the mentality that you've passed along that it's it's not about, you know, what we do. It's it's how can we do it differently, yeah. right? Like everyone does the same thing. So rather than just doing it the same as everyone else and trying to do it better, faster, more efficient, cheaper, whatever, it's how can we change the experience yeah. around doing it? And and that mentality, I think, is is uh, what makes you guys special, in, in my opinion. Yeah, it's That's what we nugget. try to do. It's- it's what we yeah. try to do. It really is. I mean, it's, and we're not, we're not perfect at it by any means, but what you do is you just work at practicing it and it's like yeah. building a muscle. And so somebody knew that's the, that's why most people that are that the ones that are most successful in this company that move from uh, a position of being our receptionist to being our uh, administrative coordinator is because they recognize that they've got to kind of work towards this more about attitude and energy and how you treat people than it is about whether or not you're good at your job. We could teach you how to be good at your job. We don't, we just have to get you to be a yeah, good the other, the other things are choices that you, you have to make when you walk in the door and sit down at your desk every day or right walk on, on, right on the job and By the way, site. in yeah. 48 years of this company, we have not, we have executed horribly. Um, and, and, and being able to go, you know what? We can't do 14 jobs. We can do 10 jobs. Yeah, because if we actually if we do eleven, we're not going to execute at the level we should. Let's execute ten as best we possibly can, and then if we get another project manager and superintendent, we'll add one. But that's the way we work here. It's about being disciplined about about the, yeah. the non negotiables, right? So, yep. yeah. yeah, being disciplined about. The, I'm going to pull two things out for anyone listening that I really feel like I'm just going to marinate on that that are standing out is. You have a brand. There's a way that WPC does it. And you've you've highlighted it, you've underlined it, and 
that's what you're selling. You're not just selling, this is how we're building, this is how we put, you know, wood together. I'm, I'm selling you a process that is special to this business that is part of our brand. And then that brand is what you've coined is I'm giving you an experience. I'm giving everyone that's a part of this process an experience. And that is very, very unique. And we all should be thinking about it in, in some kind of way. What is the experience? What is my brand in terms of executing that I'm giving to every single person that's a part of this process? That's those, those are really good, really yeah, good nuggets. For sure. Are yeah, you guys still, from, a, from an operational standpoint, kind of going back to that a little bit, are you guys still doing the framing or are there other trades you guys self-perform? Yeah, we never got are, to are there any? Yeah, are there any that you guys self-perform? No, we don't self-perform anything. We are basically managers. Um, and we have a great subcontractor pool uh, here that we, we have great relationships with. And some of these relationships go back almost 40 plus years. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, to, so, so we don't, we, we don't self-perform. We just got, we have wonderful project managers, project executives, superintendents, et cetera. And, um, and they kind of herd cats on the job site. Right. So they get them oh, all yeah. to yeah. line up. The one, one of the reasons why we, yeah. One of the reasons we got into this production business is it's like manufacturing, except for the building stays still and the people move. And what we really got good at is how do we manage those people through each one of these units or hotel rooms or whatever it is that we're building in such an mm -hmm. efficient way. And so again, you practice it. You never, you never really get it. I always, my, my, my one more nugget for you, Marisola, that you may have, may or not have heard of is I have a sign on my office that says the road to construction, the road to success is always under construction. And so mm -hmm. uh, for us, it is about the fact that we will never reach, uh, the goal. We will, mm -mm. it's an, uh, Simon Sinek says it's an infinite game and it's, yep. so this never ending. So you're constantly learning, constantly never arrive learning. as I've never heard arrive, before. Right? Never yeah, arrive. So, never, and then, and then my day to day, learning. yeah, my day to day, I, I get to walk into this office at whatever time I want to now, which is really nice, <laughs> but I, I wake Thanks, up son. every day. I wake up every day at the same uh, uh, time. It's the internal clock that I've had since I was 15 years old. Um, and then. You know, I try not to jump on the phone, but I get, I get moving and I get, uh, I usually have a list of tasks that I, I'm working on. We are not just a general contractor anymore. We are also a developer. So I have four That's development awesome. projects that I'm involved in. Um, Jeff, you're taking me to where I wanted to go next. I, I, okay. I want to talk about, so you, you've got, you're, you're close to 50 years of, of this business. Um, you're bringing in your son. This is a generational um, business at this point, um, where do the next 10 years look like for you? Are, are you at a place where I'm good or we still got growth in us and this is where we're going? So, um, I don't have any intention of ever being done right now. Will I spend my time a little bit differently? Um, my son and I, and the rest of this group enjoy each other's company so much that we always say that we're just going to work until somebody kicks us out the door. But uh, so my next 10 years is really focused on um, some major changes that we made starting about 12 months ago. And, and, um, and so, and, and they have this time frame associated with them. Um, and so one of the big ones is that uh, we moved our corporate office that we had been in for 40 years. Uh, we moved it. Um, from Maitland, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando, to a small little town called Winter Garden, Florida, which is just outside of Orlando. The difference in that, by the way, real quick, was the old office, which was five minutes from my brother's house, um, and the new office is 10 minutes from my son and myself. So we, that wasn't the primary reason, but it certainly was a great motivator. Definitely helped, we did relocate yeah. it because of uh, strategically we could move a little bit more uh, around the, around the state a little bit easier in the location we are now. Now, what that meant mm -hmm. was, is that we didn't have time to, to, to build a new office, but, um, we are, I do have a development project, big office, 40,000 square foot office, 60,000 square foot warehouse project that I just began working on in the last month. That will be the new home of WPC wow. potentially, for the, potentially for the next 50 years. And wow. so wow. it is a five year project. Um, given all the things that it takes to put a project like that together. And so for, at least for the next five years, I'll have that piece of my attention. 
Um, and then um, the development projects are with one of my partners. Uh, we have a company called WPC Ventures that develops multifamily uh, projects, which is a wonderful business to be in, uh, probably for quite some time. Um, so I focus more of my attention on some of the other aspects of our business. I focus still on the, the storytelling. And um, I love that part of the business. And I'm teaching my son how to do that, although he's quite good at it already. Um, and then my job is to make sure that every person in this company on a day-to-day -day basis is doing okay. And so I don't go ask Ken sitting right over here if how his job is. I ask Ken, ask how he is. And so um, because I want to know that Ken's in good shape because if he's in good shape mentally or whatever the situation is, then he's going to perform well with, and he's going to give my clients a good experience and his clients a good experience. So my job is really making sure that the 85 people in this company are in really good shape and feeling good. And, and, I, and then by that's a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I love, people. I love going yeah. back to what you said, where you, where you said part of your job is, is, is the storytelling, right? The, the mm -hmm. fact that you're intentional about, because uh, some of that stuff gets lost, right? And, and maybe, maybe it does and maybe it doesn't, but especially for a company that's been around as long as you guys have and, and has a vision of being around, you know, just as long into the future, if not longer, like yeah. those stories are important to the culture and, and how the, you know, how you guys got to where you are. So the intentionality behind, you know, those, that storytelling, not only to your clients and everybody else, but inside your business, I think is, uh, is, is awesome. I, you don't hear that too often that people are actually it's very special, intentional. Yeah. Intentional about making sure that those stories are, are, uh, you know, live, live on forever. Yeah. I think that I, and I appreciate you recognizing, I think the, I think the thing that that's important about any company, by the way, and certainly in our business as general contractors, you need both head people and heart people. And so mm -hmm. the idea that we have, I mean, and I mean this wholeheartedly, there's a, I'm one of the 85. So there's 84 people in this company that have a different skill set that I do and will do lots of things better. Um, and so what I, what I, but lots of them are head people. And so we have to remind them that, that there is a heart to this experience that we're providing. And so all this stuff that you kind of hear me talk about and the, the, the things that kind of connect the dots and all this really is about the fact that quite honestly, there's not one person asked me how to build something, how much it costs or how long it takes. Not one, definitely not how much it costs or how, how to estimate it. Um, we still had block in our warehouse from an estimate that I did in 1982, um, just happened to take that dyslexia a little bit too far and move a couple of things. But, but, but I say that because my job isn't to build stuff. It isn't to, it's, it is to run a good business, make sure that we're looking forward at the things, but it is to kind of bring heart to this thing. And if I can translate that in the next 10, 15 years or however long I stick around, that's what I want to do. I want to move yeah. this, the, this thought of how we want to be as humans to enough people so that it carries on. Oh, so sweet. So, so good. awesome. So yeah. good. So different. So different than um, what so many of us are doing in our industry. You are leading with your heart, but producing some pretty magical experiences by doing it. I'm not in the business of building is what you said. Um, yeah. You're in the business of creating experiences. That's it just feels the medium, like. right? I feel like you could yeah. you could almost be running any type of business. The fact that it's it's a construction yes. business is is yes. probably because it was like you said, generation generationally in your blood and and what yeah. you knew from a from a family aspect. But it's almost I almost feel like you could be running any business, and as long as you run it the same way yeah. you are running it now, um, it, it would probably be successful. And yeah, wow. Yeah, and it depends on how you measure success, right? And so. My metric of success isn't my bank account or any you, of those you things. Got a, that yeah, I right, have you, you got a yeah, you job I mean? after fifty uh, years, uh, uh, in yeah. it, and and, and you've got you've you've created sustainability for eighty five other people. That's that's success, right? Rather whether you got it financially, it's there Period. or not. Yeah. yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. And so I'll keep get I'll keep working on it and see how good I'll get by the time they ask me to to walk out the door or the sunsets <laughs> or whatever the right words are uh, to do it and. Um, you know, how, we, how close is your son to getting to that point of of kind of being in that leadership role? You said that there's there's people right now that kind of look at him as as a leader, right? Kind of like they did for you, even when your brother was still there. But 
how I, does he have that same mentality you had that that you know he's still kind of got that safety net he's not comfortable being the person there because you know you're still there or where what's his mentality like what's his timeline look like and and, and where's he at in that development yeah so he um is currently our director of business development but he sits on our executive board and leads that group with one other young uh, executive named Sam Miller. And Sam and Jeffrey, um, uh, coincidentally, um, this uh, we're in November, right? So this month, they sign their partnership papers and they will own uh, together 55% of this company. And so they, they are the future leaders and people here not only have seen it, but they accept it. And so uh, to be more specific, Mike, when I, when we walk into an executive meeting, it's Jeffrey's meeting to run, right? And he's got such a great support group that I think that he won't necessarily look at me as the safety net that I did with my brother, because he will always have this tight knit group of similar generational, uh, from an age standpoint and, and, and have kind of all drank the Kool-Aid together, probably mixed the Kool-Aid together at the same time. And so, um, it really is an interesting dynamic of the way this company is led compared to where it was certainly with my brother as the sole proprietor. And then myself, who my model was my brother. So I tend to have the same uh, uh, conditions associated with it. And, but I think this group will be different and, uh, I know it already is. So he's, he doesn't know everything, right? Um, I'm still sharing the wisdom, um, but uh, he certainly has the ability to sit in a situation, any situation, and be able to lead that conversation. Um, yeah, so you know the, that's the, awesome. The, yeah, it's it's super cool. It, it's one of was my there, favorite, favorite things there, about waking up every day. Yeah, so I mean, this is. I mean, I've done close to 200 of these. Maricel has been around for I think 15 or 20 of them now, but. I know talking to, especially in the family aspect, right? When it moves from one generation to the next. And it sounds like a lot of, not a lot of times that happens pretty abruptly, right? There's, <laughs> there's a, a father and a son. The father wants out pretty quickly. The son's coming in and, or the son comes in pretty quickly, pretty with, with a, you know, pretty fast trajectory and, and ends up taking over. And I say father and son, but it could be, you know, daughters, or moms, whatever, but there's usually something that happens or, or some sort yeah, of the triggers change, big change in the business when those things happen, right? There's, yes. there's a vision that's a difference in vision. There's a difference in philosophy, something that, that changes when, when it kind of moves from one generation to the next, it sounds like you guys are a little bit slower and more methodical about that, which I, I don't, I, I I'm not going to say is good, bad, or indifferent, but I guess the, the core of my question is, is there something that your son and that group are doing, have done, will do kind of in that transition process that is maybe a, a big change to what, you, how, what, how you guys do it now, whether it be from marketing or business development or what you guys do from a, you know, type of scope of work standpoint or any of those type of things at all. Yeah. I think that, um, uh, one of the things, one of the advantages this group has that I didn't have, uh, is that I didn't have this core group of clients that um, really provide about 75% of our business. And so mm -hmm. the, the sales process or the, 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 the part by where we have to go acquire new work um, is not as, uh, as difficult. Now that may not last. So, you know, knock on wood, mm -hmm. it, it, we are where we are. So that this group manages that their, their thought process is far more methodical uh, than mine was. I did take a little bit more risk. My brother and I did took a little bit more risk, um, than perhaps this group might, at least initially, that might be generational mm -hmm. as well as time goes by. But that when I say they're more methodical, they, the, they, uh, initiated a year ago with what we now call OKRs, which is objectives and key results. It's a wonderful process that I knew nothing about. And they have these five OKRs going on at all times. And the difference is compared to the way that I led and managed, at least until recently, was that in that group of people, in each one of those lists that they have an objective, right? And let's say the objective is that we're going to do a subcontract or outreach and we're going to de develop different relationships. They bring in, there's two executives from the executive group 
and four people from everywhere in the company. And that group sits down and they speak to how they're going to accomplish this objective. And then you measure the results, right? And so okay. I never had any of that stuff. It was like, okay, here's what we're <laughs> going to do. Let's, let's develop a plan and go do it. And let's not include anybody else. Let's just go, let's grab a few people. We'll make yeah. it happen. This group is very methodical about organizing the various objectives in order to accomplish the ultimate goal, um, which is, is to provide an experience, right? And yes. a year ago, they tore down this sign that we had in our own office that said, one purpose, serve our clients. They took the sign down. And uh, of course, I knew it was going to happen, but I kind of felt like, okay, so now what are you going to do? They go, you know what our <laughs> purpose is? To serve each other. And if we serve each other well, and they do that really well, then all the other stuff happens. They so they, so they, good. They, the young group changed the core values and purpose of this company. They started to look at ways of, and I think that's a difference generationally in how this younger group wants to be led, right? Mm. They want to know not, not what is in it for them, but do you care about them on a day-to-day -day right. basis? Yes, and if you can accomplish true. that. And so, yeah, I'd like to think that, that, I, that I add value there. And I do because I, I love talking to everybody. But the intentional process by which this younger executive group works is, is super cool to watch. That's sounds awesome. super cool. Sounds I super love that. cool. Sounds like you guys, it's a fun place to be. Um, it sounds like, it sounds yeah. like you guys are, are, uh, are like, like I said, a fun place to, to head into every day. So Jeff, it sounds like as, an experience. Yeah, it sounds an like experience. an experience. There you, 100%. Go. there you go. Mission yeah. accomplished. Right. So then, before we uh, kind of as we get close to wrapping this up, Maricela's favorite part of this uh, whole thing, and the only part we script is she's got uh, four questions for you. We call our our, our lightning round or or uh, or fast hands or whatever you want to call it. But she's got four <laughs> questions that she wants to uh, to ask you. Yeah, I ask every guest that we get to talk to the same four questions again because the intent of this podcast is not only to you know create a voice and a face to, you know, all the people that do what we do, but to be a resource for other people um, listening. I appreciate podcasts that I walk away from being like, oh, I didn't think about that. Or I want to go try that. Or that's a new something that I want to do. And it makes me better for spending the 50 minutes or so listening to the podcast. So it's the same four questions that I ask every single uh, guest that we get to, that we get to talk to. The first question is, what is one resource, Jeff, that your business cannot do without? What's one resource uh, that your business cannot do without? Uh, we cannot do without, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give them a little, this is a resource, by the way, that, 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 that's fairly new. This guy's name is Fred Guitton. He's one of my dearest friends now over the 10 years. Fred and I never spent time together talking about business. We always spend time together talking about charities and football and, and sports. But this resource, and I say this from, a, and so as a consultant, finding somebody that you can trust that yeah. will be honest with you. And, and so this resource that we have in Fred, uh, by the way, he now mentors and coaches all of our young executives in this company. And I couldn't live without him. He changed the way we think. So, so it's, a, it's a consultant that's come into your business, spoken into your life and into the lives of your executives. So if it's a consultant or like a coach of some sort. A coach, a mentor, that, that, that's exactly right. You cannot, you have to have somebody with a perspective that's going to come in and challenge your thought process. And you yeah. can't be afraid of that and they can't be afraid to do it. So that, yeah. uh, that, that person or people or whatever is it. Yes. Good one. Good it sounds one. like, did um, you know this guy before you brought him in to be this consultant for you? So, uh, uh, ask the question one more time, Mike. Sorry. Did you, did you know him before him. you brought him yeah. in? Okay. Fred and, and I, so Fred what and was I the, sit on the board or what, what was, what was the change where you said, Hey, rather than just being a friend, like we want you to take this official mentor role. Yeah. August of last year, that. August of last year, I called Fred and asked him to have some coffee because I had a question and just needed to bounce something off a good friend. And I'd known friend for, yeah. friend for yeah. 10 years. I had coffee with him. Uh, it started at 8am and lasted until 1pm. And mm. he, not only he, not coffee only did he lunch. give me the time, yeah. but he, I was telling him all this stuff and he goes, you know, that's not what you need to think about. This is what you need to think about. Have you asked this question of yourself? And so the, 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 the way that this kind of evolved now, by the way, Fred has a full-time job, uh, with a whole nother company as the, as a, as a top executive in that company. But what he did was he was willing to invest time 
with me personally and with all these executives still does it to this day. And, uh, and, and I, and he hates when I give him credit because he said, all I did was ask you a bunch of questions. I go, yeah, <laughs> it was more than that. So anyhow. Yeah. But that wasn't it, a question it, I was going to ask him. And I, I echo that Jeff. I think there's so much power in having a, another set of eyes that's completely unbiased. That's speaking into your business. I have had the same business coach for many years now and, um, it's changed my business in the most positive of ways and the most positive I, of ways. Completely and, I, agree. and I love yeah. that you found it in a friend and were humble enough to ask him to ask. come, come aboard and, and, and help out rather yeah. than seeking out maybe somebody who's quote unquote, a professional mentor, or a professional coach, or does that for a living specifically. Not that that's any different or bad, but, but the mm -hmm. fact that you found that in somebody else who wasn't necessarily advertising that or pushing that. Um, and, and then again, like I said, we're humble enough to, Bring that person on board, I think is yeah. is awesome, and probably yeah. creates yeah. a pretty special relationship between all you guys. I assume, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Second question: What's the best advice someone's given you? Uh, the best advice somebody gave me, and by the way, it wasn't that long ago. And I wish I would, I wish I would have heeded this advice when I was in my thirties. Is that you just should not worry so much about everything, right? I mean, I I was in my younger days very much a worrier. Like, and, and, and it came from a lot of different directions. And by the way, that's different than anxiety. Um, but the reality was, is you just don't have to worry. Don't worry so much, just work the problem. And so that was the advice that I, that I not only utilize and communicate on a regular basis, I, I really take it to heart because, you know, worrying only gets you so far, then you got to stop and then For work sure. the problem anyways. Right? Well, I was going to so, say either way, it doesn't solve the problem, right? So yeah. shorten, shorten that window, shorten that window a little bit and then get to go back and go to work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Love that. Dig that. Third question. Is there a, I feel like I might know the answer to this because you mentioned I was it say, earlier. Already, I almost stopped him. I almost stopped him because of this <laughs> like, specifically, but, but we can, but we can, we can, uh, we can run it back. We can run it back. Book or podcast that you love and recommend. Yeah. So, so if you want to know my favorite book is the alchemist and maybe that's the favorite book of lots of people. That's I an that. amazing book. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I, yeah. I buy that every time I see it hardcover, I buy it. And then I'm always giving it away. But, but that's my favorite <laughs> book for lots of reasons. And I know I was first. Isn't to, there to a movie? Isn't there a movie about the alchemist supposed to like in production? Like, I feel like I heard there was some, they were trying to make it into a movie, but an incredible I hope they don't. I, I, I don't I hope. If they are, I hope I probably won't watch it because I'm so, I'm such, such a fan. And not only of the book, but that author has a great, has a series of books, by the way, that are wonderful. And of course, yeah. the, the books that I mentioned, by the way, uh, you know, start with why and uh, leaders eat last. And if I had to pick one, it would be leaders eat last because it really does change the way that, that, uh, you will think about leading your people in any business to Mike's points and in today's business. Cool. Awesome. Last question. What is one habit that you have for yourself to pour into yourself so that you can then pour into others? Yeah, I will say the habit that I have created, um, and I created this from my best friend on the planet. Um, I wake up every day and I get to do everything that I do. He says, he, he, it was really the thought process. I don't have to do anything. I get to do it. And so mm -hmm. when I wake up first thing in the morning, I think about what I get to do. And mm -hmm. it, it really is. I wake up and I go, what do I get to do today? And, it, and just that little thought process changes the way I'm going to approach uh, the problem. And so it's more, it's more of a mental thing than anything else. Love it. Love it. Jeff, you so are awesome. just a person of heart. Like you, you, you think with yeah. your heart, you lead with your heart. Like it's, it's really, really special. I, I could feel that. I mean, we have, we're in an entire country between us and there's a screen between us but i could absolutely feel the pulse of of your leadership and your vision it's really really special i appreciate well, what that. I, thank you for that what i love about this episode is so often we talk about the tactical pieces of your business like how did you mm -hmm. solve problems how did you do this how do you hire how do you market how do you do it? which are all great right and and I realized about 45 minutes into this that we hadn't gotten to a lot of that, but there are, yeah. there's so much good content and so much yes. depth to, to what you do and, and how you do it that I almost didn't want to because, and I don't want to, and maybe <laughs> that's another podcast and we can talk about that later, but there's so much more. And I think benefit hearing how you guys 
operate in in the in in around that that mentality of an experience for everybody and like she said the heart that you operate your business with um i, I think this was a phenomenal episode even though we didn't get to yes. a lot of the the tactical stuff but yeah mike i don't know if, uh, this is like the least i've spoken yeah. Like I just shut up and let you talk because it was <laughs> like hypnotizing. It, and, usually, and it, usually we have point. to tell Monticello to, to slow down a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I had good was, coffee was, this morning. By the way, I had good coffee in my best grandpa uh, ever oh, uh, mug <laughs> because there are, there are three Jeffs in this family now, my, myself, my son, and my grandson, Jeff, who oh. uh, in, will more than likely, because it's in his DNA, run this company one day. So that'll be awesome. Congratulations. So, um, yeah, Congratulations. I appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for, uh, I you, mentioned, thank Michael, thanks for the patience of, and thanks for the questions. And uh, my apologies if I talk too much. Uh, no, never. No, These so are so good. much better. So much value. Yeah. So much value. Yeah, there's I'm there's, sure there's a lot more stories. That, there's a lot, a lot of stories. We I was going to say, there's yeah. uh, I, I bring people on round two about a year, year and a half later, but um, you are going to be first on my list for round two in the near future. Yeah. Because There's definitely you, a round two that. in this one. Well, that's a couple. Yeah. Right, so yeah. thank you guys. Thanks for your time. I appreciate Before it. Before we go, let it, let people know where to find you guys, how to get a hold of you guys. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Look look for, you know, find your stuff if, if yeah. you guys are out so there. Here's a, I'll tell you. That, so WPC.com is, our, is our, 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 our URL, our website. And by the way, we get to be the first company within the United States to have a URL, first construction company to have a website. And, and, and back in the late 80s and 80s, 90s, my brother captured WPC.com. And so that's the nuggets where just you never end. They just the never, nuggets end, never end. That's right. Yes. That's right. The nuggets never end. <laughs> so that. uh, that's really where to go find us. And, you know, we try to, our social media is, is located on that website. You can kind of see all the, the fun stuff that this company does. And I would imagine that most of what you'll see in our social media is probably an event that we had last weekend or somebody's birthday or whatever it is. And then all the projects that you have to show because that's what you do. But uh, that's, that's where to find us. Because you have to. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. I will definitely well, be Jeff. following along, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks awesome. again, man. We appreciate it. Keep in touch. Uh, stay safe out there. And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. Enjoy that weather that you guys are going on. I know. Hopefully your husband will learn <laughs> how to drive in it soon enough. <laughs> soon enough. We'll be, we'll be awesome, thinking Jeff. of your warm weather. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, guys. See you. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So, You Want to Be a Contractor.